You are listening to the E2C Network, where the Auburn family speaks. War Eagle Auburn family, and welcome back to No Huddle. This is your source for discussion and analysis about Auburn football here on the E2C Network. If you're confused, I understand. This is not the voice that you're used to opening up this show. And you're probably like, thank goodness it's not. So when is this episode going to be over? It is I, the editor for the network, Kyle Loomis, uh, deciding or actually being asked to step in and uh, try to give some semblance of commentary that makes sense on Auburn football in uh, pre-season practice, in the fall practice, and uh, just have a little fun here on the No Huddle Show. But of course, don't be dismayed. It's not just me doing this thing and yammering on for 30 to 45 to however long we're here. I've also got a name and a face and a voice that you're familiar with, Mr. Jared Davis. Jared, welcome. Thanks for having me, War Eagle. Yeah, I think we're running like a two-quarterback system right now. So AJ kind of got us down in the red zone, and we're bringing you in to to work your specialty, see if we can score a touchdown here. Can we? Let me just take a second. I love that you said that because AJ will understand this, and some of the people that I I know still listen to the show will understand this. About we had a uh, flag football league in Auburn when we were there, and played recreational. Uh, Obviously, it's you know you got to pull the flags and all that stuff and it's seven on seven type of stuff yeah did you have that jared when you were at auburn i did yes sir okay i I couldn't remember how you know you're not much older than me but (laughs) yeah let's not talk about how old i am but we did have we had to ride in on horse and wagon but we did have uh we we did have flag football (laughs) but i always tried to advocate for the two quarterback system in that seven on seven and i promise you it worked jared i promise you like literally two quarterbacks out there at the exact same time, but that we were essentially running the read option and it was dominant. We scored a touchdown in three plays, but then the next week, the, the guy who was really our quarterback came back and wouldn't have any of it. So <laughs> he went, he's like, no, 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 I'm the quarterback. It's my, uh, it's, it's, I don't want to be giving that up. Exactly. And then I, I, it's just throughout time, this circle of friends, especially those that I ran in with AJ, they'll dog me and say, yeah, Kyle was all about that two quarterback system during the last, but y'all never gave it a chance. Just give it a chance. Give it a chance. I, I, hey, I think in flag football, and sometimes in real football, in flag football, I agree with you. I think that having that option there is uh, almost unstoppable. Well, here, here's the thing. Let me just paint the picture for you quick. I know we're, we're people are here. Why are we talking about this? Let's talk about Auburn football. This is somewhat related because it was at Auburn, and it was football. So it's related. So just deal go. with it. Deal with it, folks. Anyway, uh, this is how it worked. Obviously, you have your center and your two linemen that you typically have in flag football. The quarterbacks, no one is behind center. They are off to the side behind center. The The center had to snap to the left or to the right. Imagine that. Had to kind of get that down pat. And the decision was, is whoever, you know, there was a signal before which quarterback was going to receive the ball first. It was then on that quarterback to basically run the read option. The ne- That second quarterback would become the running back, and he would decide to either give it, pull it back and throw it, or run it himself behind the blockers that you had there or uh, or the other running back, which was a quarterback, which is now confusing as I tried to explain it. But, hey, it worked. It scored a touchdown. I wish we'd tried it again there. I don't know how you're not coaching some SEC team right now. I mean, that's <clears throat> that's sophisticated stuff, Kyle. It's yeah, like, like it, where did where did the wheels fall off? Why 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 are you doing this and not coaching? My voice was not loud enough. That's how. That's, <laughs> uh, I, that's probably why I'm not coaching. I don't have the demeanor and the voice to do so. 
um, which is probably thankful because I would never wish my coaching on my football team if I had ever gotten that <laughs> opportunity to do so. All right, speaking of, let's talk about Auburn football. We're not done talking about silly and off-the-wall topics. You know, Auburn Twitter sphere, it's, it's a beautiful thing, and it's an ugly thing, and it's an interesting thing. And this week, the most prominent thing, especially for like two or three days, it's kind of quieted down, we're filming this, not filming this, uh, recording this on a Sunday, is the fact that some beat writers, won't call any names, you can if you want, Jared, I'm not going to, uh, <laughs> that decided that they were going to take issue with an act of generosity that our head coach uh, happened to do, which was a little unorthodox, I'll admit, but if you've been under a rock, what's been going on is Coach Harson during the middle of a practice with the beat riders kind of standing off at a distance, covering and taking their pictures and their photos that we all get to see, decided to walk over there with some of his staff and just throw up some Auburn hats, like really nice looking brand new Auburn hats. And, you know, some of the beat riders you could hear and see on camera saying, thank you, coach, appreciate it and stuff like that. Well, certain individuals decide to go on social media and voice some concerns and questioning of the motive and of the reasoning and the it was it right to do so and boy did the auburn fan base jump on top of them and some of the other beat writers as well so jared what do you what do you make of all this like what was your thought process or did you just love to sit back and watch the fire burn you mean somebody like went on social media and talked about you know their opinion and how things were not right that's never happened before never. i uh I, you know, to me, this kind of comes down to, you know, not to knock baseball, but there's rules in baseball where if you're up by a certain points, you don't even try to get a hit in like the ninth inning. I mean, crazy stuff like that, that you're like, come on. So should he have thrown hats to them because they're supposed to be unbiased? I don't know. It's a silly rule. Most of the beat writers said they took the hat and gave it to a kid or a fan or something. So like to make this a big deal, just to let you know that we're kind of in a little bit of a lull period here. They need to get clicks, and so they turned it into a big deal, in my opinion, because I don't know if it's an unwritten rule or not, but even if it is, literally just turn around and hand the hat to someone else or don't catch it. Maybe he's like, hey, I was putting those in the bleachers. You happen to just be in the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, to me, it's crazy, but it gives us something to talk about because we got about three more weeks until we start talking about the real thing. So, right. Um, I, I'm kind of indifferent, kind of sat back and watched it. But uh, what, what were your thoughts on it? Listen, I, you know, I agree with you. I, I preach this here on this podcast network, on our YouTube channel, and, and when I'm just out in public talking to people. I, I think people forget that people who are involved in media, their job is to get you to click, to get you to watch, to get you to Absolutely. view, to read, all that stuff. I'm saying that as someone right here who I want you to click on a link to listen to our podcast or watch our video. I'm saying that, admitting that right now. So sometimes I try not to do it, and we try not to do it here to you know, have methods to try to get you to click and not have you see something or hear something that you weren't expecting and stuff like that. But the, the whole point is to stir things up, stir conversations, and get it going. These guys know what they're doing. This is, this is not something that caught them off guard, that how badly they They knew exactly the response they were going to get. And they knew how bad it was going to be and how many people were going to click on their profile, click on their link, click on this stuff, and like just go and even just dog them. And sometimes bad press is still good press. I don't necessarily agree with that, but when you, what the name of the game is clicks, that's what you get. And I really, that's, honestly, that's all I see this as. That has been magnified. The bad, Any press is good press has just been magnified with social media because literally 
you will see the craziest headlines and craziest articles written and it's literally just to get people to click on it i mean because it's not true journalism and i'm not knocking i don't even know the person that did this but to get upset about that if they truly were upset i i have an issue with that if they were doing it just to get clicks that frustrates me but at least we all know the game mm-hmm. um but yeah, I mean, he just threw hats at him, like give it away. And which most of the beat writers just, like I said, I think they said they handed it over to, you know, a fan or something. What I love about this, though, is not only did the beat writers know what they were doing that took issue with it and decided to post it out to the world, their thoughts on it. Coach Harson knew what he was doing. He's been known. He's got a history of messing with the the media. He did it at Boise. He's kind of had, not had big moments here yet at Auburn. But even when uh, his first press conference, he was asked about Oklahoma and Texas, he looks at the guy and says, when's that happening again? Yeah. And then just kind of says, well, we're not, I'll, focused I'll, on that. we're not focused on that right now. And he, you could see he was being like he wanted to just lay into him. And he just said, I can't do that yet. I've only been here six months, however many months, eight months. I need to settle down. <laughs> so, yeah. These guys, it's a part of their contracts. Essentially, they have to kind of, you know, get along with the media and do interviews. But some of some guys are very savvy and kind of ruffling the media's feathers mm-hmm. and still doing everything they're supposed to do and i could see him becoming that guy which to me is kind of fun i mean it's like all right nothing rude he just kind of he can kind of mess with them back um and it's a tough job they have man i mean they're yeah they're getting paid a lot of money but those you know when things don't go right those journalists don't give them any slack mm-hmm. and um you know they, some things get kind of personal almost so i think he's gonna be somebody that's gonna have fun with the media i think you're right i think it was calculated and, um, you know, at the end of the day, it was kind of lighthearted. And think about it, too. I mean, this is a scenario where Coach Harson, no matter what they do, is doesn't come off looking bad. Either he's generous or they're making a big deal out of uh, yeah. out of nothing, you know, like because yeah. it's as simple as that. If you can't accept it or you feel bad accepting it, give it away or just leave it there on the bleachers. You don't have to go post about it. We do if you want clicks, and that's what's happened here. That's just my opinion. We seem like we kind of are on the same wavelength on that. So it was fun for a little bit just to see how savage uh, the Twitter sphere usually gets with stuff like this. And it was it was good entertainment in what can be a very slow time period in fall practice. Because let's be honest, I mean, you know, once you get over that initial first week, that initial couple of press conferences, it's kind of the same old, same old. And I think that's pretty much the case so far from what you found as well, Jared. Absolutely. I mean, I don't, there are some places I think that throw out keys to Dodge chargers. So, uh, you know, throwing out hats, <laughs> throwing out hats is, is very, not a, not a big price tag on it. And yeah, so it, it gives us something to talk about. So I'm definitely ready for real football, real breakdown of games. Um, I know I said lull period. I mean, we're just getting fired up here, but it's just not a lot that we know because they're they're shutting off practice to most, you know, journalists and everything. So we're just kind of having to piece this thing together. So I'm ready to talk about real stuff and uh, just getting excited about it, man. It is. It is. the anticip- as, as things get quiet, the anticipation builds even further because we've gotten that little taste, that little just whiff of fall football. And it's still so far away. And so when things are quiet, rumors start getting circulated. Answers to questions are so far off, they seem. And so that's what the the, kind of the fun, but also the frustrating part of this period of time is for us as fans. One of the things that I think we should start off with in kind of what's been going on, especially since y'all's last episode, Tyrone Truesdale. 
Um, obviously, the rumors were circulating, uh, depending on who you listen to, who you follow, all that stuff, who was in the know. Uh, it, you know, he was not with the team. Coach Carson, by the time you guys had recorded your episode, he wasn't with the team, but there was no confirmation of if he was leaving and stuff like that. It's official now. He is not with the team. He is uh, obviously entered the transfer portal and all that stuff. And I don't know if you really have any other opinions on it, Jared, but just kind of as we close out that chapter, what your kind of opinions and perceptions of this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's kind of weird. I mean, you, um, a, somebody who commits to coming back for essentially a year that's never been given. I mean, he, he was given this cause of COVID. So, um, I was excited to have that leadership. Um, he was, you would think if it was like him and Harson butting heads, they wouldn't have gotten this far in. So, I do wonder if it truly was, you know, family issue. We may never know for sure. Um, maybe it was though. Maybe they started like, um, you know, maybe some of the younger guys were were pushing him for a true starting position, and he didn't like that. But um, that's speculation. So the only thing we can go off of is they said it was family matters, and uh, you know, if that's true, I hope the best for his family. Uh, definitely interesting timing, and it does hurt us on depth. But luckily, we loaded up in the transfer portal on defense. So hopefully we can uh, quickly find somebody to fill that spot. It is interesting, the timing of this. And I think that's why people are asking more questions. Because if he had announced, you know, right before the season started, hey, just kind of before we get into the thick of things here, I I feel like I need to do something different. But you're you're in it. You're in the thick of it. And uh, the decisions made. And, it's you know, the generic answers of it's a family issue which it very well might be and i'll just go ahead and assume it is personally because i i'd hate to think anybody would be deceitful about something like that um but you know that's kind of the world we live in so sometimes you kind of have to be a little bit skeptical uh i was very excited for his future uh in fact i i think with the departure of names like big cat bryant uh he was very much going to be needed on that defensive line and i was honestly very worried coming into uh, this week after that had happened. And then, you know, I, I started really kind of sitting back, looking at the depth chart and kind of listening to what the coaches were saying. And I'm still concerned, but I, I think I feel better today than I did after the initial announcement, no longer part of the team entering the transfer portal. So do you, you feel still pretty comfortable about where we stay at defensive line? Yeah. I mean, you know, I know names of guys and, and I'm, I'm terrible with schematics and knowing exactly if they're like a defensive tackle or, 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 you know, defensive end. So, but you know, somebody like even uh, JJ Pegues who moved over, I mean, he's a big body, so I don't know exactly if they would be in a similar spot, but I, me and AJ were talking about that might give that, you know, JJ might've, uh, or Pegues might've had to stay behind Truesdale if, if so. And this is vaulted him into, Hey, we need you now. Um, so you never know what, what that opportunity is going to allow for these players. Um, it, you know, to me, you rotate so many defensive linemen in that if you had to lose somebody, I guess D line would be the place to do it because so many other guys get rotated in that they have at least have experience. I think we're going to be okay. Maybe I'm being a little, you know, too optimistic. I think the, um, I think the true, you know, strength of our defense is going to be our linebackers and secondary um so i you know at the end of the day truesdale was really good he had a lot of leadership and a lot and seniority um but i don't think it's like the wheels fell off by losing him personally and i think some of the things you just said there i'm just kind of processing this in my head too uh, that i'm pointing out and this is actually referencing some names that were called out by 
uh, Coach Mason during his uh, initial press conference for fall practice. He obviously, uh, T.D. Moultrie is a big name for us that we're all familiar with. Iku, the transfer. And then Derek Hall, he really called out Derek Hall in a good way and said how much he's impressed him this year. So, you know, the cupboard is not bare. And, and I think the perspective for me that I'm trying to take on this in my initial fear of the loss of Truesdale was knowing that that was the initially the the spot, the group that I was a little bit more concerned about. But when you think about it, our linebackers, as you said, they're known for their tackling. I mean, Zachary McClain got shafted uh, in terms of SEC player of the year, leading the SEC by far in tackles. I don't know how that happened. Ricochet rabbit. And he's got a couple interceptions to his name as well. You've also got this deep, full, just can, can we just talk about this here? I've said it on the live shows before. One thing people will never take away from Coach Malzahn was his ability to recruit, develop, and build a culture of defensive backs. Isn't that odd? Like, how odd is that? Like, I I never would have associated Coach Malzahn and defensive backs. That is just kind of the weirdest thing to me. I mean, how do you feel about that? Yeah, and we kind of quietly do it. I mean, we have several guys in the NFL right now that, you know, you just you forget about. Um, I mean, we had had two win a Super Bowl, you know, last year. So, um, I, I agree with you. I don't really know. And to be honest with you, uh, not to talk, spend talking about Gus, but we did. There was a, there was almost a shift of like, all right, we're going more conservative on offense, and we started really developing our players on defense. Um, and yeah, the secondary was one that kind of secretly did really well. Uh, a lot of them got drafted in like the third or fourth round and went in the NFL and did really well. So um, I, I think we're okay there, and we've added a lot. Um, you know, we added that guy from West Virginia. On the secondary, I mean, we've added, uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, on the line, we added a guy from uh, UAB. Mm-hmm. We added yep. a guy from um, We added a guy from Kansas, I believe. We obviously added a guy from Northwestern, the first one that signed with us, uh, yep. I think, after that opened up. So we got some people there. We got some spots. We got some bodies we can put out. And we, got, and we brought in a four-star, that guy that was committed, I think, to Tennessee. They eventually let him loose. Uh, he, he was able to get out of that national letter of intent, came to us. He's a four-star defensive guy, if I'm not mistaken. So there's talent there, but you hate to lose a guy like Truesdale. I mean, there's right. no doubt you hate to lose him. I just don't think that is – that's not like losing Tank Bigsby. Yeah, and I think the thing that I – and kind of to round out that part of the discussion, my concern for the defensive line is not so much talent. It's not so much even – depth so to speak i think it's obviously been hurt a little bit by the loss of big cat and now truesdale and some others but i don't think we're going to hurt in technically stopping the run game because we've got some pretty pretty big hosses and and guys that are sure tacklers behind them in the linebacker core and the defensive backfield my concern is the pass rush and with everybody shifting to this you know very pro style offense uh rpo who knows what the next buzzword will be this year um you know, I don't know what they'll pick up on and have us all like re- regurgitating every mm-hmm. single time we talk about this thing. That's my one concern is the ability to pass rush. And uh, I-, I think any deficiencies that we have in the r- run defense can be made up somewhat by what we have backing them up. And I just don't want them to put it, put, put our defensive backs, especially in more situations than they have to be since they're very uh, good at helping with the run game and, and that nature. So Kind of the, my, where I'm thinking at, but I love that JJ Pegues is starting to get more talk again. Uh, even Coach um, Bob, not Boba, I'm sorry, that's offense. Coach Mason uh, talked a lot about him being not getting frustrated with himself because I think he expects so much of himself. So the fact that JJ Pegues is again being talked about, I mean, I'm of the opinion that if you have a talent like that, 
you need to find a way to get him on the field. So would you rather them just throw J.J. Pekigs out there, even if he's technically not ready, just to see what he can do? Well, yeah, but I'm a simple-minded uh, – <laughs> that guy's got talent, put him out there. So I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of technique that goes into it. But, yeah, I mean, I think that um, – I, I actually said last year, uh, not not to sound smart, but when I was looking at him, I said that guy would flourish on the defensive line because, you know, as cool as it is to see a big guy like that, you know, hurtling and doing 360s, that he's not going to make a career doing that. Like he wasn't going to get enough touches. So I said his best option is to move over to defense, hone in that athletic ability and that God-given, you know, body he has. Um, and that's where he'll make his money and probably have his biggest impact. So, yeah, I mean, I think at this point, you know, it could be a blessing in disguise. Truesdale goes out, opens up, you know, even if he's not the very next man up, that may everybody moves up a slot, you know, especially in that position. And so, yeah, maybe it gives him more exposure and – um, you know, he's definitely got, got some skills, so let's see what he can do. I think the other thing to maybe shift and talk about now, though, would be a little bit more offense because in Mason's interviews, there wasn't, like, in my opinion, a lot of detail given. There was a lot of kind of rah-rah. I think the defensive line area is probably mainly where you got a couple of things, which we've already talked about here. But I was surprised how much I loved Bobo's uh, interview because I think he gave us a lot more meat, so to speak, to kind of chew on for a little bit. Uh, it kind of turned my head to some players I need to be paying attention to. Uh, one thing I picked up on uh, was Mike Bobo was very hoarse coming in from that press con- or coming into that <laughs> press conference. Did you see Mike Bobo as kind of the, the coach that has to yell a lot? I didn't have that impression of him. I don't know enough about his coaching. Um, you know, I know his history. I know he came from Georgia, and I know he's got a lot of roots here but I don't know enough about like his coaching style. Is he like a gardener, Rodney Gardner, where <laughs> you don't want your kids standing around listening and, uh, you know, in your face stuff. Sounds like he might be what, that he was hoarse, but, um, you know, that's a good thing too. I mean, he's got a lot of, um, he's got a lot of young pieces. I mean, the wide receiver core is totally young. Um, the O-line, I'm sure he's trying to make sure that we don't have any issues like we did last year with that. And then the quarterbacks, I mean, you listen, I mean, you know, I know you're talking about Bobo, but Harson, the two things he hit on, you know, after the scrimmage with his in his interview was um inconsistency at quarterback and inconsistency at offensive line. And at that point I feel like let's just put on the broken record, right? right. And that that's what we've been talking about. Well, I think it's good to bring that up now, and I think because some of the things that Bobo talked about and some of the stuff we were picking up after the first scrimmage and first time in pads this week um, kind of overlap and intersect, so we can kind of handle those together. And, uh, I mean, what's your – how are you processing that? Because it does, as you said, say it sounds like a broken record over and over again, inconsistent quarterback and offensive line play. Like, were, were you expecting it to be already better? Are you disappointed, or are you just kind of like, uh, I was expecting that? Um, offensive line, I'm not too concerned. That, that takes time to jail. Um, wasn't totally concerned with that. Quarterback play, you just keep wondering when is it going to click with Bo Nix. And um, I didn't see the scrimmage. I know he had an interception, I believe. And judging from what Harson said, there wasn't like anything great to say about any of the quarterbacks. He did praise uh, Davis from the true freshman, I think, out of Houston. He said that he he's a gamesman and when he's in open field, he's he's. I kind of picture him kind of like a Nick Marshall. Mm-hmm. Um, Harson didn't say that. That's how I view it. But yeah, I mean the whole quarterback play scares me a little bit. Um, I, I mean, what are you taking? Did you get to hear Harson's comments? And and if not, based off what I just kind of relate as to what he said, what are you, what are your thoughts on those two really being the the two issues that he pointed out? 
I did not get to sit down and listen to it in full, but obviously, you know, I'm reading and, and um, taking everybody's opinions and seeing the little snippets that I did hear about it and stuff like that. It didn't shock me at all. I mean, and I don't say that. I hope that doesn't sound arrogant, but it, it's I've been preaching this since day one that Harson got here, that everybody's expecting that we're going to have another miraculous year. Uh, that you know, this is the, this is the year for Bo Nix. He's feeling good. He's you know, <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna start doing the Twitter thing here. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I do not expect them to have a solid year at offensive line or Bo Nix necessarily to start off with. To start off with that's the key f- phrase. And I, and I think that Auburn fans would be wise to prepare themselves for that. And let's not get into this this habitual thing of when we don't see what we anticipate of just whining and complaining about it all the time i think people forget this is a transition year things that happen in 2013 don't happen unless you're auburn and just having the ability to pull off magical things out of your butts like we do i mean (laughs) it just doesn't happen for anybody else and that was the year uh, and now I'm going to sit here, and this is going to actually happen this year. And I'll somebody will rewind the tape. Well, I'll but put it back on here, and I'll just I'll say, "Hey, I'm wrong." You'll happily but, grow. I mean, that means your team did well, right? I mean, exactly. You it's a it's a win win for you. And that's the thing that I think people miss when they they hear me speaking about that, trying to be a little bit more realistic. Because I'm a believe it or not, I'm a very optimistic person. Especially I've been accused of being a sunshine pumper forever, uh, but I've learned that I need to kind of really look at something and kind of just expect the reality be prepared for the what could what could be in a good way and i, and I think this is a, a, a humbling thing for auburn fans to realize where these things don't get fixed and i i'm a big coach malzahn fan you know this jared you know this about me oh, coach yeah. malzahn was fired because of what happened under his time to the offensive line and that doesn't get fixed overnight and by virtue what happened to quarterback play namely Bo, and so on and so forth. I mean, you know, we don't have the success we had last year, frankly, without Tank Bigsby. I mean, that's just yep. That's just the reality. I, it is. I, I personally think we should hand, turn around and just hand it off every time to him, but that would <laughs> that would ruin his career. Hey, Auburn fans! I want to take a quick timeout from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs. Especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C network to join the E2C network booster club. You can also get there by going to our website, E2C network.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. 
I, can, I will say this. So I, I was able to, somebody put together some pics of just them throwing, you know, routes. And so they, you know, they went there, it was like three in a row, like, you know, Bo went, TJ Finley went, and then Davis went, and they threw the same route. And I'm not trying to create any kind of, you know, anything, because I actually like Bo Nix a lot, and I, I think the ceiling is a lot higher. Finley looked more crisp, I mean, in the, in the pictures. like, And mm-hmm. they weren't fancy routes. There was nothing, you know, crazy about them. But every route, I watched about 10 different reps that they did, and they, they each one did the rep. Uh, Davis is the least polished. Nothing that's to be expected. Obviously, yeah. Um, TJ a little more polished. But I but I said that early on. I said, look, I think TJ is, is a really good – I think he could be more of a game manager. I think he is pretty accurate. I just don't think his ceiling – he's not going to make the Pat Mahomes-type throw that Bo can make. But the problem is Bo can't make the simple throws. Is his right. main issue as of late. Now, he may fix that. Right. I think um, the thing that you need to kind of when you're when you're talking about Bo and those issues because I agree I think the simple things have become the hard things and that's by virtue of what he's gone through but also the offense has gone through over the last and I'll say even Coach Malzahn's last year um, and two years for that matter and you know everybody how everybody was affected by last year and the weirdness of it and all that kind of stuff I, I really think I'm just I'm trying to this is like the caution flag and NASCAR. Hey, everybody, just just be aware there's some hurdles ahead. Doesn't mean you can't get through it. Doesn't mean you're not going to you're not going to win the race. But just be ready. This is not going to be that easy. This is not 2013. That's all I'm doing. Without a doubt. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think Nick Marshall doesn't get enough credit for the talent oh, yeah. that he was. I mean, that. Yeah, we just think you're right. We just think, oh, yeah, this is going to happen again. I, Nick Marshall was super super talented i mean it was amazing what he was able to do and he fit gus's you know if gus had offensive linemen i mean he would have won multiple championships because yeah. that you couldn't stop what that was doing but um that's a that's another discussion <laughs> but i think you were kind of hinting at this too and i want to be clear i like bo nix i really do um I, a lot of bo's issues with timing and the simple routes is he hasn't had time right <laughs> so um you know, and a lot, another problem with him is he, he's a gamer. Like, you know, he doesn't, he, he's going to sacrifice his body. And so if he felt like, hey, instead of staying in the pocket, when it might be there if he waits one more second, he has no issues with rolling out and trying to get it with his body. And so I think Bobo and them are going to hone that in a little bit. I think they're going to say, hey, look, try to trust the line. You're not always going to, it's not always going to work, but just you got to do, you, you, you can't play football not trusting it. Exactly. And, and so, you know, and that's on uh, that's on the offensive line coach to to get that right. It is. It absolutely is. And it's also it's also on Bo as well. You know, Bo's got to learn to trust again. And I understand you have not been given a lot of reasons to trust that offensive line. But at some point you got to. And, uh, you know, it's going to take a, a few probably very frustrating situations this year, I think, for that to get ironed out. But, you, you know, remember what happened in LSU in 2013. And, and let me be clear. I'm not saying 2013 is going to happen. You are getting the fan base really pumped here. Let me Kyle. just, let me just, just everybody <laughs> calm down. Everybody, hey, calm down. Everybody, this is, this is like old school. Everybody calm down. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm the only one freaking out. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 But, yeah. <laughs> uh, just, you don't know what is the moment, the game, the situation that makes it click and makes it, oh, we can do this or we can have a very successful season with even with some deficiencies that we have uh so everybody just buckle up it hurts a little bit to say that because that was coach malzahn's you know yeah (laughs) thing but anyway all right enough enough about that i want to talk about things that are exciting and this is something you and i both picked up on from harson's uh what some of his press conferences and even uh 
Bobo mentioned this as well in his first press conferences was wide receiver. So what are you hearing? What are you liking about what you're picking up from wide receiver play in fall practice? Isn't it weird? One of the things that is your biggest question mark coming in and really had not had anything good said about them is now potentially the strength of your offense. I mean, Bobo and Harson are both talking about how the receivers are just light years ahead of where they were, you know, in summer practice. And uh, specifically in this practice, Xavion Capers and Elijah Canyon got praise, and they both had a touchdown. And I've, I've, I think Elijah's, I think he's just going to be a stud. Um, Xavion has the most experience, believe it or not. He had a couple of catches last year. Um, so I, I, you know, and we got the true freshman who has, you know, people are like Cole Kubelik and them are saying he could be a breakout star. You got the guy that just transferred in from Georgia. They said he's getting acclimated and, and had some good routes. So I, that group, it was never a problem of talent. It was just experience. And apparently they looked totally different because they were not being praised after summer camp. And they are really the lone bright spot. They're not talking about tanking them, but you don't really have to. Right. Uh, outside of that, they're the lone, the, the bright spot of the offense is what I'm hearing. Have you, what are your thoughts on listen after listening to the comments? Well, here's what uh, everyone needs to take. Uh, I'm taking my own advice here. Everybody needs to calm down and just wait a second. <laughs> because here I, I go on our YouTube channel, and you know, I'm like, hey, that would be fun to do. Let's, let's rank the wide receivers. Everybody's talking about it. Let's say, because the big question is, a lot of talent. Nobody knows what it's going to look like, though. Is it going to be put together? Well, lo and behold, the day after you do that, and you you know just put Tavares Dawson, the freshman, in your honorable mentions, because not because you don't think he's not going to be good. I even call him in that video the future of Auburn, foot, uh, Auburn football in terms of wide receiver play. But apparently, he's turning some heads, and apparently you should be expecting him to be seen this year. I'm not saying like starting. I'm not saying significant time. But here I went in one moment from expecting Dawson, you might see him just so he can get the, I think the five or four games that you're, you can still retain your eligibility for and then still redshirt. I was expecting to see basically everybody then, unless you're hurt. Now I'm kind of questioning, is he worked himself into a rotation where he sees game time every game? I don't know. That's It's just the big takeaway for me that Bobo brought it up, and now you're not only hearing all the wide receivers are stepping up, but Dawson as well. I think the other big thing, too, and the thing that I'm excited for, but I, I don't know how excited I should be, Demetrius Robinson's on campus, officially. Like, yep. how does that make you feel? Do you really think he's going to make that much of a difference? Like, are you just happy to have another body with some experience? Like, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about him. I mean, other than I, I keep going back to his Cal stats. I mean, he was a, a true freshman All-American there. Um I think at the end of the day, he's going to be you. You got to have a safety net. I mean, you got to have that. All right, it's it's third and five, and if my my number one read is not there, I got to have a guy that I know is going to know his route and be there that I can trust. And that really just comes with time and age of the receiver. I think he's going to be that guy. I think he's going to be the guy that's going to keep drives alive. Um, I don't know how flashy he is. Maybe that's his thing. But I, I get the gut feeling that he's going to be the guy that we can rely on, or Bo or, or TJ can rely on, and and keep a drive alive and know his route. And that just comes with experience. The other guys are going to miss routes. I mean, they they just are. I mean, they're just young. So, um, but I'm excited to have him. I mean, that was, you know, we kept getting all these transfers and, and kudos to the team for doing that, but they were all defense. They were all defense. And I said, listen, we need, we need depth and experience at receiver and line. And at least we were at least able to grab somebody at the very end at receiver. Yeah. I think for me, experience is everything. 
especially SEC experience. And I know he's, you know, spent a lot of time at Cal, uh, and then he'll get, he had his year at uh, Georgia, and now he'll be here. But you've got experience, but SEC experience, that can't be understated. It's the reason why I haven't written TJ Finley off as a potential starter at quarterback. I still, uh, I way believe Bo is, is going to be the guy and will be the guy for the foreseeable future. But I can't count him out simply from SEC experience because you've seen the, the speed, you've seen the rush, you, you've, you've felt what it's like to be in those hostile environments. Um, so I, I would say the same thing for Robertson. Um, having a guy out there who's probably less easy to rattle, more consistent, more experienced, just to bring it all back around, is invaluable. Now, the, the trick becomes, do, does the trend continue, whether it's Jarrett Stidham and Ryan Davis, whether it's Bo and Seth Williams. We can't have Bo or TJ if that happens. Key in on him, and that's your only option. He has to be the safety net and probably might be the leading wide receiver at this point or at, at, when we're talking about this at the end of the year. Got to have somebody step up. Is it, is it Capers? Is it Canyon? Because if we have another guy step up on the other side of the field, there's less. There's more attention that has to be diverted over there, which means that you can have more opportunities for Robertson, and you don't have to focus on him as your safety net. There, I guess to round out my thoughts, I want him to be the safety net, but not so much of a safety net that we don't look outside of that net. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Let me. You brought something up that made me. Uh, I can't believe we haven't hit on this. So you mentioned T.J. Finley could become the starter. What are your thoughts on the comment they asked the coach? They said, "Hey, you know, uh, would you consider a two quarterback system?" And, well, he didn't turn that down. He said, I, I've done that at Boise before. You know, we're going to evaluate everything. Uh, that's obviously a possibility. That's not what we're hoping for, but that's a possibility. To me, it almost, it's either one of two things. He's either – that's either gamesmanship and he's, and he's trying to keep the quarterbacks, letting them know that they don't have a spot yet, or he truly doesn't know who his starting quarterback is. I think it's both. Honestly, and I'm uh, as you were saying that I underlined in my little notes that I took of uh, this is Bobo's press conference. Something the second thing I wrote down: still finding our offense identity, and I think they still are. That was five days ago from when we're recording this. I, I really think with the inconsistent quarterback and offensive line play, they're still trying to figure out what this unit's strengths are and how they can play to those to stay away from those weaknesses. Because if they can build off of that find success there, then they can start working on those weaknesses with a little bit more surety. So what? to me, a two-quarterback system should not be ruled out because you don't know if that's the thing that makes makes everything click. Who knows? What I'm going to put you on the spot. What's the percentage T.J. Finley takes the first snap September 4th? I will maintain what I said. Another, I feel like I said this a thousand times here, so I promise I'm not trying to work this in, but we do have a YouTube channel. I did a percentage of who... who has the best percentage chance of starting in that video. I made reasons for why Bo Nix gets 65% of the chance. I think I said, um, I'm trying to do math in my head here too. Now <laughs> I have to have uh, my calculator, so I can't help you. So, uh, TJ, I think I gave him 25%, which would get us to 90 if I'm doing math right. And then 10% for Demetrius Davis. Uh, but I also in that video make the reasons why they, that, that low percentage could kick into effect. Um, I, I don't, I haven't heard or seen anything that makes me want to raise above 65% chance that Bo Nix is a starter. I, cause, because for me, the place I've been coming from, I've been expecting to hear there's issues. I've been expecting to hear that there's, there's no identity yet. Like, there's nothing that's caught me off guard. 
So I will, I'll stand firm on that. It's 65% chance that Bo Nix is the starter and will be seeing the vast majority of snaps. Now, does that mean TJ Finley doesn't see snaps? Nope. I hope he does because that means Bo has somebody running on his tail and he has to perform at his peak capability and competition always makes you better unless you, you crumble. And then if that's the case, we need somebody else to step up. So that's kind of where I'll sit at and I'll stay there for now. Now, if I hear something differently, I'm willing to entertain the thought that TJ deserves more of an opportunity. Fair enough, my friend. When he, I'll throw it back on you. What you think? Um, I would I would take Davis out of the equation, not not because of his talent skill. I, I just think from his youth standpoint, um, I, I think it's sixty forty. I think that TJ eats up the right. other percentage from um what what you probably gave to Davis, not knocking you at all. So I think it's sixty forty. I think uh, both sixty percent chance both starts, but. Um, I don't know, man. I'm telling you, when I looked at – and, again, I am not skilled at this at all. But when I was sitting there watching the clips, TJ looked crisp. And it doesn't mean Bo didn't. Um, and maybe I'm trying to make something there. You know, your brains – you know, our brains are funny things. So am I trying to make what we that? said at the beginning of this, it's our job to get you to click. So that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. We're trying to get you to I'm click. Kidding. But I literally was trying to look, and it was like, all right, that he looked more crisp. Okay, let's do the next trip. He looked more crisp there, too. Yeah. And it was like he just kept looking more crisp. But I still think Bo's ceiling is what gets him mm-hmm. the starting yeah. knot. I 100% agree with that. Uh, I, I think TJ has more or less working against him, if that makes sense, yes. than Bo does. But even the stuff that Bo has working against him right now because of that ceiling, because of what can be, it's much easier to, well, I shouldn't say it's much easier to fix things. Uh I, I, there's a, a saying in my head that this is not working out. This, this is what happens when it's t- nap time in the <laughs> afternoon. But <laughs> anyway, uh, I think, you know, this should be anyone's game at this point uh, because it hasn't worked the way it has been running. And if somebody else can do the job, they should. Uh, but I think all signs point to Bo Nix. And until he shows that he can't, which may take into the beginning of the season, it should be his in the running. I will uh, end with this on this topic for me. At the, and we said in the past, the one difference this year is if it's not working with Bo, even if it's the O-line, if it's just not clicking, um, there will be no issues with them giving TJ a try, without a doubt. I mean, that that is absolutely going to happen. If it does not click with whoever starts, they're going to pull them out and get because the, they have two quality quarterbacks. Exactly, and that's the difference. And I think people forget that. It's like, well, people complain, well, they didn't even try. But like, who are you going to try, Grant Loy? I'm sorry. I love Grant Loy. I love you, man. Yeah. Please, if you hear this, don't, don't. I'm glad we have you on our team, but – it, you don't do that. <laughs> yeah. The one option was Bo Nix. We, we have options now. And, and even all the way down to da- Davis is an option because he's yeah. very talented. So, yeah, I mean, we definitely have options. Yeah. So we're we're still going to be debating this quarterback thing for ages. But uh, the interesting thing with this is, is that we have so many options on the table now that it's just fun to talk about. I just wouldn't get your hopes up if you are have your ball in one person's camp over the other because you probably will be disappointed. And I say that as me, who's predicting 65% chance that Bo Nix will be the starting quarterback. So anyway, let's round out our conversation today with fun stuff that everybody's going to love to talk about. Have you heard about a certain pandemic enough yet, Jared? <laughs> uh, yes, I have. Okay, well, just, we're going to... Just a little bit. I'm sorry, we're going to talk about it again. Not really necessarily those things. We're not going to debate things here. Uh, but we're just kind of speculating here. Um, whether you agree with or not, the legitimacy of how widespread and all this stuff, that doesn't really matter. What matters is, is there are entities and people who can, who have power in making decisions starting to not necessarily shut things down, but 
close things down, make them less opportunistic uh, for everybody to take a part of. Um, and one of the things would be public events like a football game, which Auburn announced this summer was going to be 100% capacity. It was in a big posting about it, big celebration. Everybody's like, ah, yeah, we even did a video about it. I feel like I've said that a thousand times already. Here I am plugging away. Go ahead and click, please, because that's what we get you to do. <laughs> uh, so, um, I guess the big question I have, and something maybe we just kind of discussed for just half a second here, do you see a world where Auburn decides they either cannot do full capacity or you have to have some type of identification, fun little buzzword these days, to prove that you are, let's just say, vaccinated or that you have a negative test or something like that? Is there any world, Jared, where you see Auburn rescinding their big celebration of this summer, early this summer, and changing their perspective that that has to happen? No, with an asterisk. The only uh, Auburn themselves will not decide that. If the SEC were to come down and say that, that's a different story. So, um, my opinion, if it's in Auburn hand, Auburn's hands, um, they're going to roll with it. And it, it again, not to take sides, is irregardless. It's a financial decision mostly. Um, you know, they I can't even imagine the financial impact these schools had last year. Um, so, unless they are forced to do it, I think they are going – they're going to try to be safe. They're not going to just be whatever. We don't care or believe in this. But at the end of the day, we're moving forward. We expect everybody to do it as safely as they feel. Um, we are just going to open the gates up. And uh, see let's yeah, see what happens. <laughs> and if the SEC comes down and changes that, then then it's out of their hands. But I don't think that Auburn will. How about I, – I will say there are some – so you pose that, and there are – a few pro teams that have already announced that you either have to prove you've had a vaccination or show a negative COVID test. Um, do you think that's even something that will be a possibility uh, in college? I know that's what you were basically just asking me, but it is happening in the pros. I think, and I, I may be wrong with this. If you look and, and this is, uh, we, we are trying to walk a line here where we're not trying to take sides. I think if you look <laughs> where those things are happening, there's a, there's typically a political swing one way or the other. And I think that, Typically, and that's why I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm, I'm talking with big asterisks right here. Sure. Uh, because obviously I don't want to speak in absolutes. Um, I don't see a world outside of people are dying in the streets. And that's even too, too harsh to say. But where we are having the type of situation we had at the very beginning. If, if we're there, then that's understandable, I guess. Uh, well, anyway, I'm not going to go that far. I, I'm really trying to walk a line here if you can't tell. I don't see a world where the SEC even does that right as things stand right now um their fans whether it's auburn alabama lsu vanderbilt for <laughs> vanderbilt might vanderbilt, vanderbilt, like, might, yeah. yeah they might be the wild card of this that would be like oh that's fine because nobody comes to our games anyway <laughs> um i don't see where the sec can make a decision like that and not suffer greatly because of it i would hope that the commissioner and the powers that be one of those famous famous little buzzwords out there mm -hmm. that Auburn fans became very familiar with this past winter um, would see that recognize that and understand um, that you can advocate. You can uh, even apply some, a little bit of pressure. There is a point where it becomes too much. And if you push hard enough, it's going to hurt. Not, not the people you're trying to hurt. It's going to hurt you. So that's, that's just my vague trying to walk a line as best I can answer for you where things stand right now. I don't see a world where that happens and lasts. Yeah, I, I, I think that there, and again, I, I'll, I go back to the financial piece of it. Um, 
I mean, that pretty much runs the world. So I do think that from a financial standpoint, um, they're probably all going to have to kind of push forward here. And really the, um, I don't know, maybe the SEC did get kind of involved. The NCAA was very hands-off, which was very convenient of them. Um, you know, they were hands-off during a pandemic, but, you know, they want to tell you you can't give a player chewing gum or a ride home. Um, Isn't the NCAA a funny little thing? Yeah, well, that's a whole other I could spend <laughs> I could spend 12 podcasts on them. But, you know, the NCAA was very hands-off. You figure it out. SEC did have some overall guidelines, but um, at the end of the day, I think you're right. I think they're probably going to open it up and – you know, I hope that everybody does stay safe and healthy and we can have some football 12 games at least and, um, you know, have fun with it. I, I guess is my final comments on it. What I will say about this, I was so impressed with Coach Sankey, Coach Sankey, wow, uh, Commissioner Sankey, uh, the SEC, the powers that be, with their desire to forge ahead with the season. In fact, I think they saved college football last season uh, because everybody remembers the Big Ten had already announced they're not playing. Well, if the SEC is going to play, we certainly have to play. So, so on with the Big Twelve, the Pack, and the Pack Twelve, uh, whatever they are, Pack something. Yeah, they're Pack Twelve. You're right. Yeah, all the rest of the conferences, pretty much that matter, started playing again because the SEC said we ain't doing this. You know, we we can play football, we can limit things, we can take precautions. The science doesn't support shutting everything down, even if it's just players and stadiums that has are eerily quiet, like at the Olympics. I am encouraged by what they did at the initial outset of this, and I hope that they would have seen the success of that and forge ahead with this, with not pushing buttons that shouldn't be pushed too hard. So I, I will even go one step further last year. I think baseball saved all sports because baseball started playing. They started having cases, and everybody yep. in media said, you got to shut it down. And baseball said, no. We're going to quarantine the people that had it. We may miss some games, but we're moving forward. And again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not trying to tell anybody what they should and should not be doing. But I think from a sports standpoint, I think baseball saved sports last year because they moved forward and showed a way of making it happen. And and But you're right. From a college football standpoint, if the SEC would have mailed it in last year, there would have been no college football. So all of you that love to hate on the SEC, you can thank us now. <laughs> that's not gonna happen oh it's not they, gonna happen they'll yeah. never say it but they know they know who they daddy hate is. us they, they hate know us. who their daddy is and they know that daddy saved the day anyway that's now that's getting weird we're gonna stop that right there <laughs> that is an interesting way to end this show we covered a plethora of topics we talked about hats we talked about scrimmages we talked about position bows and we talked about whether or not we're gonna have a normal capacity season which has already been announced that is your show for this week. Jared, before we get out of here, where can they find you if they want to talk about more things with you? You can find me on Facebook under my name, Jared Davis. And you can find me on Twitter at TigerEye24, while I will accept hats no matter who they come from and where, unless it's an Alabama hat, which I will say. burn and throw in the dumpster. Yeah, I, yeah. I, would, I would never give a child a hat with that profane stuff on it. I know. That's just, why would you set them on that course? That's just, that's just hateful. Gr- yeah. you know, grow them up in the ways that they should go, and they will not depart. So, <laughs> there you go. I just, we, we took so many angles in the show, I can't even, I don't even know where we are at this point. So, here we are. This has been We're the at the show. end. <laughs> we, made it, we made it to the end. We went all over the place. But here this we is are. what happens when you bring me on board to show that I have no place being on, on board. So, hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you to Jared for hosting me. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening. War Eagle. War Eagle.
Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.